1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, God is continuing to instruct and encourage us through this letter that Paul wrote to the believers in Thessalonica. God's word is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. God's word reveals God's ways to us. God's word helps us to follow God's ways day by day. You see, as we get into God's word, God's word gets into us. And God's word goes through us to those that God has placed around us. God blesses us so we can bless one another. God comforts us so that we can comfort one another. God encourages us so that we can encourage one another. God loves us so that we can love one another. God has truly blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Amen? God has truly blessed each one of us with every blessing that is in Christ Jesus. Therefore, as followers of Jesus, our lives should overflow with praise and thankfulness to God. Just as we finished worshiping God through song. Our lives should overflow with praise and thankfulness to God. The Apostle Paul understood the importance of thankfulness. He shared in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, this is why we constantly thank God. Because when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as a human message, but as it truly is, the word of God, which also works effectively in you who believe. Paul, Silas, and Timothy constantly thanked God for the believers in Thessalonica. Paul shared some of the reasons why he was thankful for these believers in this passage. These reasons that Paul, Silas, and Timothy were thankful for these believers were the same reasons why Paul, Silas, and Timothy also knew these believers in Thessalonica, they knew that their faith in Jesus was sincere and genuine and real because of these very same reasons. Let's look at these reasons again as we get back into this passage. The first reason, the believers received the word of God. Paul said, this is why we constantly thank God, because when you received the word, receive means to take in, to hear, or to take in with our ears. Received is in the aorist tense, which points back to the past, and it was referencing when these believers first heard the good news of the gospel through Paul, Silas, and Timothy. He said, when you heard, when you received the word of God that you heard from us. The believers in Thessalonica heard the good news of the gospel. They heard the word of God through the preaching and teaching of Paul, Silas, and Timothy. And so we know God wants us today, each one of us, to receive, to hear, to take in his word, the truth of his word, with our ears. The second reason he was thankful is the believers welcomed the word of God. This is why we constantly thank God, because when you receive the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as a human message. Welcomed means to accept into one's life with open arms. It means to be welcoming and hospitable to the word of God in our lives. As we see in this passage and in other passages in the word of God, receiving and welcoming go hand in hand. As these believers received the word of God, as they heard the word of God with their ears, they welcomed the word of God into their hearts and minds and lives. They were hospitable to the word of God. God wants us today 
uh, not just to receive his word with our ears, but God wants us to welcome his word into our lives with open arms. He wants us to be hospitable to his word in our day-to-day lives. The third reason that Paul was thankful is the believers received and welcomed God's word. He said, this is why we constantly thank God, because when you receive the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it not as a human message, but as it truly is the word of God. Say that with me out loud. The word of God. Believers in Thessalonica received and welcomed the word of God as the word of God. This simply means that they understood Paul was the messenger of God's message. Paul spoke God's truth to God's people in Thessalonica by the power of God's Holy Spirit in him. We know today the Holy Spirit of God, and this is happening even in these moments right now. The Holy Spirit of God speaks to each one of us through the faithful preaching and teaching of the Holy Word of God before us. The Holy Spirit of God is speaking to each of us right now. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows right where you're at. He knows what's happened before you came into this room. He knows what's going to happen after you leave this room. He is speaking to each one of us through the faithful preaching and teaching of the Holy Word of God before us. This happens every time we gather together as the body of Christ to receive God's word, to welcome God's word, to hear God's word. But also know the Holy Spirit of God speaks to each one of us as we read and study God's word day by day. He's constantly speaking to us as we get into this word before us. And so God wants us to come ready individually every day. God wants each of us to come ready every day individually, and God wants us to come ready every week collectively to receive and welcome the Word of God into our lives with open arms. He wants us to come to this Word on a day-by-day basis individually in our time with the Father throughout the week. He wants us to come together as we gather together as life teams. He wants us to come together as we gather together in our many different discipleship groups and classes. He wants us to come together as we gather together as disciples, brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. He wants us to come together as a corporate body when we come together corporately, ready, excited, anticipating what it is that God's going to say to us by his Holy Spirit in us as we dive into this word before us. I sure hope you came ready this morning to hear what God has to say to you because the truth of the matter is God has something specific to say to each one of us this morning. He's speaking to us even now by his Holy Spirit through the preaching and teaching of his word. Fourth reason that Paul was thankful for these believers is the believers believe the word of God. God wants us to receive and welcome his word into our lives with open arms because his word is best for us. His word blesses us, and God's word works effectively in those of us who believe. That's what Paul said in verse 13. This is why we constantly thank God, because when you receive the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as a human message, but as it truly is the word of God, which also works effectively in you who believe. God's word works effectively in those of us who believe. Now, works effectively 
means energizes, empowers, and helps us. God's word works effectively in us. It's working effectively in us right now because the Holy Spirit is taking the word of God and he is using this word to work effectively in us, to energize us, to empower us, to help us to understand the word of God and to walk in obedience to God. Works effectively in us. He said God's word works effectively in you who believe. Belief means to trust in and rely on someone or something with confidence. It means to commit completely to. These believers in Thessalonica believed in, they trusted in, they relied on the word of God, which pointed them to the good news of the gospel about Jesus Christ. These believers received the truth about Jesus with their ears. These believers welcomed the truth about Jesus into their hearts and minds and lives. These believers believed the truth about Jesus. These believers in Thessalonica, what Paul is saying here, reminding us, is they trusted the truth about Jesus. They placed their faith and trust in Jesus with confidence. They placed their faith and just trust in Jesus completely. You see, they knew themselves that the word of God works effectively in those who believe because they believed. That's how they knew. Remember, we see in chapter one, these believers turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. They welcomed the gospel message with joy given to them by the Holy Spirit. In chapter one, Paul told us that the word of the Lord and their faith in God rang out in Thessalonica, Macedonia, Hia, and beyond. These believers knew that the word of God works effectively in those who believe because they were believing and they were seeing the empowerment and the energizing strength of the word of God at work in their lives by the power of the Holy Spirit as they got together, as they studied the word, as they obeyed the word. The truth of the matter is we know today as followers of Jesus that God's word works effectively in those who believe because we believe. Okay, we, we got a couple who really believe and they're with me, my sisters, I appreciate it. We know, each of us individually, I hope and pray we know that the word of God works effectively in us because we believe. Amen. Amen. Yes. Yes. There we go. All right, we believe, we know, and we understand. Now it's interesting, works effectively and believe is in the present tense, which means as we continue to receive, welcome, and believe the word of God, day after day after day after day, as we do this as a part of our discipline as a follower of Jesus Christ, we know that God, by the power of his Holy Spirit in us, then uses the word of God and his work in and through and around our lives to energize, empower, and help us to do all that God's asked us to do. And so we can rejoice in this reality. So we know that when God brings someone our way and we have an opportunity to minister to them, we have an opportunity to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ, we know because we believe the word of God is going to work in our lives. It's going to work effectively. That the word of God by the Holy Spirit of God living in us is going to energize, empower, and help us to do exactly what we need to do in order to help that individual learn more about Jesus Christ. 
We know this word works in us. It's exciting. It's freeing for us to understand and realize that as we receive and welcome and believe in the word, that God, by his Holy Spirit, will continue his work in us, through us, and around us. A fifth reason that Paul was thankful for these believers is the believers imitated faithful believers. They imitated faithful believers. Look at verse 14. Paul continues in verse 14. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, since you have also suffered the same things from people of your own country, just as they did from the Jews. Notice Paul said, for you, brothers and sisters. Once again, Paul addressed the believers in Thessalonica as his brothers and sisters. This is, just in case you're counting, the third time that Paul addressed the believers in Thessalonica as his brothers and sisters. Remember at the beginning, uh, back when we started this study, we said that Paul would address uh, these believers in Thessalonica as his brothers and sisters uh, more often than in any other writing that he shared other than 1 Corinthians. We know that he shared and referred to these believers as his brothers and sisters 19 different times in this short letter to the believers in Thessalonica. Brothers and sisters emphasized their unity with God and one another and their love for God and one another as members of God's family by God's grace through their faith in Christ Jesus. Emphasized these points. Every time you share brothers and sisters, my brothers and sisters. See, Paul, Silas, and Timothy wanted these believers to know, to be sure that not only did they thank God for them, but that they loved them dearly. Paul's timely reminders of his love for these believers and his writings to them blessed the believers in Thessalonica and it encouraged them to continue living out their faith in Christ Jesus. And we see this in our lives today. When we receive a timely reminder from a loved one, when we receive a timely reminder from a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ, it blesses our lives. And it encourages us to continue living out our faith in Christ Jesus. Day after day, that's why it's so important for us to take those opportunities as Paul did and the implied point here that we see in this passage as we see throughout the passage, and it's a whole lot more specific at certain points that, that we have been and that we'll get to. But the implied point here is we need to make sure each other knows we love one another. We need to make sure that. We have no idea what a brother or sister in Christ may be going through, may be dealing with, may be carrying the burden they may be bearing. And just a simple, I love you. Just a simple, how are you doing, my brother in Christ? Or, or sister, just a simple connector of love and encouragement could do wonders for us as brothers and sisters in Christ. And Paul continues to do this with these believers throughout. And so he says, for you, brothers and sisters, became imitators. This word imitators in the original language is from the, the Greek word mimetes. And it's the word we get our English word mimic from. Imitators means someone who follows and copies someone else. Someone who follows and, and copies someone else. The believers in Thessalonica, what Paul's saying, the believers in Thessalonica, he was thankful because the believers in Thessalonica, they imitated, they followed, they copied 
the example of other faithful believers in Christ Jesus as they followed Jesus. As they were following Jesus, they would imitate, follow, copy the faithful examples of other brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. We see this in chapter 1. Paul made this clear. Look at chapter 1 in verse 6. And you yourselves became what? Imitators of us and of the Lord when, in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. So we find here in chapter 1, Paul made it clear that the believers in Thessalonica imitated, followed, copied Paul, Silas, Timothy, and the Lord Jesus Christ himself as they endured suffering and severe persecution as they welcomed the gospel message with joy from the Holy Spirit of God as they were following Jesus. And now we see in chapter 2, he reemphasizes it in chapter 2 and verse 14. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of who? God's churches in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. So not only did these believers in Thessalonica over in Greece, the Macedonia, the province there in Greece, a long way away from Judea, separated by the GNC, the Mediterranean Sea, a long way away. You remember the first week we charted the course, the travel that Paul took to get all the way over to Thessalonica. It's a long way. But we know the believers in Thessalonica, they not only imitated Paul, Silas, Timothy, and the Lord Jesus Christ, but they also imitated the churches, God's churches, the believers in Christ Jesus in the churches in Judea, which includes the first church in Jerusalem that we read about in the book of Acts and in the other churches in and around Jerusalem there in Judea. Judea, quick geography lesson, Judea included Jerusalem, the main city, the main town was that of Jerusalem and Judea, and then the towns that immediately surrounded Jerusalem made up the area of Judea. At this time, Israel uh, was, was kind of divided into three sections. The southern part was Judea, the central part was Samaria, the northern part was Galilee. And you still see uh, similar divisions in understanding of the geography of Israel in these ways even today. So we were talking about more in the southern area of Israel. Jerusalem, clearly, obviously the focal point, but then the towns in and around Jerusalem. What was going on is as God's word worked effectively in believers there in Jerusalem, as the church, first church in Jerusalem grew and expanded that we read about in uh, the book of Acts, as it grew and as because of the growth, the persecution came on the church in Jerusalem. What happened was the believers in the church, and they were growing by leaps and bounds by 3,000 in one day that we read about in Acts 2. These believers began to spread out and they began to meet together in churches there in Judea, locally around Jerusalem, around the areas surrounding Jerusalem, just by sheer volume of people. They began to meet in other Judean churches and God's churches in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. But we also know that they eventually spread out from there and out beyond Jerusalem with the diaspora as the persecution came on the church there in Judea and the church expanded out beyond into the Roman world in which it made its way to Thessalonica where we see that Paul was ministering to these believers in this passage. So no matter how often people opposed followers of Jesus Christ, no matter how often others 
persecuted the followers of Jesus Christ. No matter how many times others tried to stop the church of Jesus Christ, the church of Jesus Christ kept growing and spreading, and it continues to grow and spread today. We're included. We're included in this passage. We are God's churches in Christ Jesus in North Texas, in Dink County, in Little Elm, and the surrounding areas. And we see this is just a beautiful picture of the gospel spreading here, and it continues to spread today. They imitated the believers in the Judean churches in a couple of ways. Let's just look at a couple of ways uh, that we've got time for uh, and how they imitated these believers. Number one, uh, the believers in Thessalonica, they imitated uh, their faith in Jesus. They imitated the faith in Jesus of the believers in Judean churches. We know the believers in Thessalonica were living out their faith in Jesus. We see in chapter 1 and verse 8, Paul wrote these words, For the word of the Lord rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Ahia, but in every place that your faith in God, say that with me out loud, your faith in God has gone out. Therefore, we don't need to say anything. These believers in Thessalonica turned to God from idols by their faith in Jesus Christ. They were not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. They were not afraid to stand firm in their faith in Jesus. They were not ashamed to face opposition for Jesus. They were not ashamed to love one another like Jesus. They were not ashamed or afraid to tell others about Jesus. They were not ashamed to walk in obedience to Jesus. You see, the believers in the church in Thessalonica and the believers in the churches in Judea shared a bold, courageous faith and trust in Christ Jesus. Though they were separated by miles and miles and miles, they were very similar in what God was doing in, around, and through them. They shared faith in Christ Jesus. They had heard about the faith of these believers in the churches in Judea. Quite possibly, folks had spread out from Judea and made their way all the way to Thessalonica. We know there was a Jewish synagogue in Thessalonica as they ministered. Paul, Silas, and Timothy first made it to minister in Thessalonica. We know certainly that Paul, Silas, and Timothy, as they ministered, they shared with them what was going on in Judea. And so as they learned, they imitated, they followed, they copied the faith in Jesus Christ of the believers in God's churches that are in Judea. Secondly, we also see that they also imitated their endurance and suffering. They endured suffering well. The believers in Thessalonica endured suffering well, just like the believers in Judea. And we see in verse 14 of chapter two, for you brothers and sisters became imitators of God's churches in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. Since, here it is, you have also suffered the same things from uh, people of your country, just as they did from the Jews. The Believers in Judea suffered persecution at the hands of the unbelieving Jews in Judea, just as the believers in Thessalonica suffered persecution at the hands of the unbelieving Jews in Thessalonica who stirred up the Gentile crowds to riot against the church. We see this back in Acts chapter 17 and verse 5. 
real quick. If you're taking notes, jot this down. But the Jews became jealous, and they brought together some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city, attacking Jason's house. They searched for them to bring them out to the public assembly. So we know what was going on in Thessalonica, which was similar to the, what was going on in Judea, is that the unbelieving Jews were jealous of Paul, Silas, Timothy, and the church in Thessalonica, the success in its growth. And so because they were jealous, because they were angry with them, they followed the lead of the unbelieving Jews in Judea. And what they did was they came together. They stirred up a, a mob of Gentiles there in the city of Thessalonica. And they got together and they start, started a mob and they started a riot. And they ran Paul, Silas, and Timothy out of Thessalonica. They ran them out of town. Notice, don't miss this. The believers in Thessalonica's faith in God and obedience to God led to the persecution and opposition they suffered. You follow me? The believers in Thessalonica's faith in God, they imitated the faith in Jesus, which led to imitating their suffering for Jesus. Their faith in God and their obedience to God in the face of opposition, led to the persecution that they suffered there in Thessalonica. But also understand, the believers in Thessalonica's faith in God and obedience to God also led to their endurance in and through their suffering, just like the believers in Judea just like those believers. And so we see today in the culture and world that we live in as followers of Jesus Christ, it doesn't take long for us to look around the world around us as witnesses to the world that God's placed around us. We're to be light in the sin-darkened world around us. It becomes very clear and obvious to us more and more every day, every week, that our faith in God and obedience to God will lead to persecution, ridicule, and times of suffering that we will experience as followers of Jesus Christ. Our faith in God and obedience to God. But just like the believers in Judea and Thessalonica, it'll be true of us today as well, hopefully and prayerfully, our faith in God and obedience to God will also lead to our endurance in and through the suffering and persecution and ridicule we face as we follow Jesus, just as these believers did years and years ago. And so we understand they imitated. The believers in Thessalonica were following Jesus. And as they were following Jesus, what they were doing is they were looking and imitating and observing and watching, and then copying, following those faithful believers who were more mature in their faith in Christ Jesus, those faithful believers around them, they began imitating them because they understood and realized they were imitating Christ Jesus. They were wanting to follow and imitate Christ Jesus. And so as they were seeking to imitate Jesus, they also, as they listened to the word of the message taught, God's word taught, they also then followed the faithful examples of believers around them. Paul, Silas, Timothy, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the churches, the believers in these churches that were in Jerusalem and Judea as they heard about their faith in Christ Jesus. It motivated them to persevere in their faith in Christ Jesus, to endure in their suffering for Jesus. And so we see great 
amounts of reasons for Paul Silas Timothy to be thankful to God. To be thankful to the Father. Now he continued, Paul continued, and he shared some points about these unbelieving Jews. Look at verse 15. He continues, who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and persecuted us. They displeased God and are hostile to everyone by keeping us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. As a result, they are constantly filling up their sins to the limit and wrath has overtaken them. Let me just share real quickly a few points uh, that Paul makes here about these unbelieving Jews. We'll hit these real quick and move our way through. Five, if you're taking notes, jot these down. They're not on your outline, uh, but they'll be on the screen. You can jot these down. Number one, Paul said these unbelieving Jews, they killed Jesus and the Old Testament prophets. Paul was saying that these unbelieving Jews were the ones that told Pilate, release Barabbas, crucify Jesus, crucify Jesus. They were the ones who were stirring up and inciting the Roman soldiers to beat and crucify Jesus. Luke gave us a divine perspective on this scene in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 22. Fellow Israelites, Luke wrote, listen to these words. This is Peter in his first sermon there in the first church in Jerusalem. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him, just as you yourselves know. Though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. God raised him up, ending the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by death. We know it was God's plan before time began to offer his son as the substitute for our sin. Jesus Christ is our substitute, amen? He took our place on the cross. He paid our price for sin, the price that was too expensive for us to pay. And yet we know the way this plan worked out is the Jews were responsible as they were part of these unbelieving Jews as they yelled, crucify Jesus. Paul was making this clear to these believers in Thessalonica. He also shared that they also killed some of the Old Testament prophets. The Old Testament prophets spoke God's message, God's word, uh, in God's strength for God's glory. The reason the Old Testament prophets got a rough time from the unbelieving Jews in the Old Testament because most of the Old Testament prophets preached and prophesied a message that included rebuke for the sin of the Israelites that they were speaking to. They were going into some hostile crowds, sharing some challenging words. And so we see that not only that they, Paul said they killed Jesus and the prophets, but they also persecuted Paul and followers of Jesus. He continued uh, and he said, they who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and persecuted us. That means they persecuted He, Silas, and Timothy, they drove them out of Jerusalem, Judea, and Thessalonica. Number three, they displeased God. He said, and they displeased God uh, and are hostile to everyone. Displease here is in the present tense. And so it means the motives of the heart and the actions of the unbelieving Jews were unpleasing to God in the past and in the present. They're unpleasing. The scary thing is, Paul knew this firsthand. He knew this personally. These unbelieving Jews actually thought they were pleasing God by persecuting and opposing and coming against these followers of Jesus Christ. Paul knew this firsthand until he came face to face with the grace, love, and mercy of God on the Damascus Road as Jesus confronted him and called him to himself. And so we see they also, a fourth point, they also hindered the gospel 
These unbelieving Jews hinder the gospel. Well, how do they hinder the gospel? It says there, it says they displease God and hostile everyone by keeping us from speaking of the gospel so that they may be to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. How do they hinder the gospel? The unbelieving Jews, what they were doing is as they continued to chase Paul, Silas, and Timothy around, running them out of the towns that they were preaching the good news of the gospel in, they were, these unbelieving Jews were in essence trying to stop the Gentiles from hearing the good news of the gospel and being able to receive the good news of the gospel by placing their faith in Jesus. Because Paul, Silas, and Timothy were preaching in these towns and these Jews would come and they would stir up trouble and they would try to run them out or try to stone them and beat them to death. And in essence, what they were doing is they were hindering the, the Gentiles, as Paul said, from hearing the good news of the gospel. Thankfully, we know their plans didn't work because the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ continued to spread. And it continues to spread today. And then he said, these unbelieving Jews, they, they were in trouble. They were in trouble. He says, as a result, they're constantly filling up their sins to the limit and a wrath has overtaken them at last. What he's saying there, there's a lot there. But what he's saying in summary is that God's patience with these unbelieving Jews was going to run out. And they would spend eternity separated from God in a very real place called hell due to their unbelief and their risen and exalted Savior, Jesus Christ. We know, as Paul reiterates here, that the holy wrath and judgment of God is as certain as the grace, love, and mercy of God. The holy wrath and judgment of God, that what's being held back currently is as certain as God's grace, love, and mercy. Paul was thankful. Silas and Timothy, they were thankful. Paul was thankful that these believers had positive, faithful examples for them to imitate in the believers in the Judean churches. Paul was thankful the believers in Thessalonica lived out their faith in Jesus just like the believers in the Judean churches. Paul was thankful the believers in Thessalonica endured in their suffering and the persecution they experienced, just like the believers in the church in Judea. And Paul was thankful the believers in Thessalonica continued to be an example for other believers to imitate, follow, and copy in other churches. See, so shared that they became an example, a model in chapter one for other churches to observe and follow. Here's what we know. There was overwhelming evidence among the believers in Thessalonica that God's word was working effectively in them because they believed in the word of God. They believed in the son of God, Jesus Christ. There was overwhelming evidence from the lives of the believers in Thessalonica that their faith in Jesus was genuine, real, and sincere. God wants our lives to display overwhelming evidence that his word is working effectively in those of us who believe in the word, who believe in the Savior that is proclaimed in the word Jesus Christ. You see, God wants our lives to show overwhelming evidence that our faith in Jesus Christ is real, sincere, and genuine. We show this overwhelming evidence. We demonstrate this evidence 
as we trust in Jesus and rely on Jesus day by step, moment by moment, step by step. You see, Jesus overcame for us so that we can overcome. Jesus was our substitute so that we might receive forgiveness of sins and enter into a relationship with God. We know that greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. The same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you and lives in me. The same word of God that worked effectively in these believers works effectively in those of us who believe today. And so our lives are to show evidence that we are followers of Jesus. That means as we live out our faith in Jesus and that means as we endure in our suffering for Jesus. Because though we don't want it, and we don't always rejoice in it, we know that suffering is a part of our lives as followers of Christ Jesus. We know at times that suffering is a result of our faith in Jesus. But we also know that we have one who energizes and empowers us to walk by faith and endure in those times as we trust in him. We need faithful examples of followers of Jesus Christ to imitate today as we follow Jesus. It helps us as we follow Jesus to have some living and breathing faithful examples of followers of Jesus that we can imitate, that we can follow that we can learn from and that we can copy. But don't forget, it's also vitally important that each one of us is a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, that others can imitate, follow, and copy as they live their lives for Jesus Christ. Not only are we looking for those Examples, the ultimate example, that being Jesus Christ, as Paul said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul said, if you, if you wanna look and you wanna follow and you wanna imitate, that's great because I, you're not imitating me in essence, you're imitating Christ because I'm following him. It's helpful for us to have those examples, but it's also helpful for us to be those examples. An example of a follower of Jesus Christ worth imitating is one who fixes their eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of their faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. An example of a follower of Jesus Christ worth imitating is one who considers Jesus who endured such opposition from sinful men so that we will not grow weary and lose heart as we follow Jesus. An example of a follower of Jesus that's worth imitating is one who denies themselves, takes up their cross daily, and who follows Jesus. You see, following Jesus and, and imitating Jesus happens once we have received God's gift of salvation by placing our faith in Jesus. The one who took our place on the cross and paid our price for sin. The one who died, was buried, and rose again, and is alive today, and wants a relationship with each one of us. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team is going to come.